The Green Solution now has 18 Colorado locations, and it is the place in Colorado to get marijuana, edibles, concentrates, and all of your other CBD and THC products. You can download their app today. Go to mygreensolution.com as well and use code DNVR20 for 20% off your entire purchase. They have expressed checkout to get you in and out as fast as possible so you can order, come in, pick up, and get out. Just remember to use that DNVR20 code online to get 20% off your purchase. And Cole gets another good righty and another right by Cole, a left by Cole this time. Tipped in front by Mika Rentinen. He shoots and scars. Nathan McKinnon. Call JT Comfer. 877 goes now. Gabriel Landeskog. Collective hugs. 29 and 92. Save me by Grubauer. Move over, Picasso. This piece of art is by McKinnon. My goodness gracious. Welcome into the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. Davidson's has two locations, one in Centennial, one in Highlands Ranch, and they have over a thousand different varieties of beer as well as wine and liquors from all over the place for you to try. They also have an app that has amazing deals on it, and you can sign up for their loyalty program as well and even get your alcohol delivered if that is what you're into. They also do free tastings on Fridays and Saturdays, so you can try out some new types of things without actually having to go fully in and purchase it. Again, just keep a lookout for those good deals and be sure to sign up for their loyalty program as well. I'm Nathan Rudolph. He's AJ Hayfley. It has been quite the weekend for the Colorado Avalanche from the stadium series to injuries to trade rumors. We are here to recap, recover, recount it all. And I guess we should start with the stadium series as a whole, both what happened on the ice and everything surrounding the game as well. Let's start with the hockey. Let's keep it simple. AJ, this was unfortunately a hockey game that I totally saw coming. You too? Boy, was this predictable. Yep. You know, when we hung out with uh, with all the pals that, that showed up on Friday night to say hi mostly to you, which was really cool. Yeah, I was not expecting the, the Reddit crowd <clears throat> to show up, but thanks, guys. I was, I was very excited because it meant that I got to hang out with my one or two friends and just drink Mountain Dew and talk to them. <laughs> Made my life very easy. It was great. Uh, but we even talked about it. I said, I think they're going to lose two to one. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a sloppy game. And I think it's going to be one that gets dictated by a weird bounce. And that favors the team that doesn't want to play like that. And sure enough, were it not for an empty net goal, I would look like a genius. Yeah. I mean, it pretty much was a two, one game, right? And all thanks to Tyler to Foley, who got the hat trick, all three Kings goals in the game. So, you know, If he becomes an Av pretty soon, that might be why. Uh, But the game itself, it feels like it would have been very different had the Avs scored first. And outside of the outdoor situation here, that's something we've talked about before, that they play a lot better. They're a much stronger team when they score the first goal. And Jonathan Quick just 
shut them down in the first period. Yeah, it was, um, they dominated and it was really LA's first extended possession in the first period, uh, late in the first period that they ended up scoring on. And even that you're talking about a puck that shot from the point deflected, gets past Grubauer, hits the inside of the post and, you know how you know how a puck is shaped, man. Like you don't know how those bounces are going to go, and it bounces right to Tyler Toffoli across behind Grubauer through the crease. Yeah, like, so. it could not have been a better bounce for the Kings and a worse bounce for the Avalanche. Just, just, and like there were some turnovers that led to that. There was some poor play that led to that. But I mean, you cannot prevent every shot and when you talk when, when you're talking about realistically which ones are you okay giving up like the ones from the point that they've gotten they, they gave they've given up their last three goals uh before you know at that point had all been just like these these shots from the point that just got tipped yep man. and like we see the avalanche take them all the time and the response is always, these are low-quality shots. They should stop doing this. And then it's what they allow, and they end up going in, and it's like, well, what the hell? Yeah. It's very frustrating, man. Certainly is. Some of the puck luck has certainly been tough. It game kind of went downhill significantly from there. The Kings finished the first period strong and then just turned the entire rest of the game into a total sludge fest where they basically played the trap through the neutral zone combined with the deteriorating ice as the game went on. And it's just not good hockey. It just isn't. It it really wasn't. And like, it's not what out, it's not what outdoor games are. It's not what they do. It's not what they're for. It's, it's all about the spectacle. It's all about the ambiance, right? The, the moment it's about having fighter jets fly over your head. During a friggin' hockey game, you know, it's, it's, it's about having the Stanley cup sitting there that you can go and get a picture taken with and all the crazy things that they have involved in, in, in the whole stadium series experience. It's, it's, that's what that's about. Yeah. And the, there was the hockey itself. I mean, the hockey itself is almost just like a sideshow and it's, it's a little, it, it, from my perspective, it's a little frustrating because i I'm a, look, man. I'm I'm a boring guy. I'm here for the hockey. I'm here for the yeah. hockey first. I'm Same. here for the hockey second. I'm here for the hockey third. You're out there having a good time with your family and your friends. How, the, the, all of that. That's fourth for me. That's great. Like, I, but I just I want I want to watch a good game. If I'm driving an hour down down and an hour is optimistic yesterday. Quite generous, yeah, yeah. An, an hour, you know. Uh, that's that's. I want to watch a good game and it just wasn't a very good game. I don't, the people who were getting on the abs about a poor effort and a bad showing and this and that. I mean, it wasn't any better by the Kings. It just wasn't a good hockey game, man. I, yeah. I, the one play that summed up the game, it was in the first half of the third period, McKinnon gets the puck on the far boards and you see him try to turn on the jets and blast up the ice. Like he loves to do. And the dude is just skating through mud. Like it, he can't get anywhere. He, it, you, his top speed is like seventy percent of what it should be. It looked like the man was skating through a puddle. 
Yeah, straight up. And the by that point, the puck was just out of control. Nobody knew what it was going to do on the ice, and it it is what it is with the outdoor game. Yeah, but I'm I'm may I am I am taking I drew zero conclusions from yesterday's game. It was a weird game. Yep, everything about it odd. You know the there there was this prevailing feeling that oh the Avalanche always play down. That's bullcorn. It's just not true. The really the only games that they've lost to like bottom tier teams is what Anaheim, LA now. Yeah, this game and then one to Anaheim really, and you know Chicago they lost a game too to avoid the sweep, but and Chicago's and, turned to into a right. reasonably decent team now. Like Chicago not even a bottom tier team anymore. Like the Rangers are like an okay team, but if you look at like the bottom of the standings. To what one and zero against Buffalo, two and zero against Ottawa, one and zero against Detroit, and they beat New Jersey too. And two and zero, thank you, two and zero against New Jersey. And you know now it's zero and one against LA. They got LA two more times, and they'll have San Jose one and zero against. So they really haven't struggled. They haven't struggled badly against top teams. Haven't struggled badly against bottom teams. Haven't really just struggled against anybody outside of Dallas. Pretty much. And the rest of the games against the Kings are all indoors. So it ain't going to quite go the same yeah. way. Well, and I'm and I'm curious, like next week, they will be on the second night of a back to back. We'll see how that goes. It's always you never know how going to go with that SoCal swing. You know, it can it could go real well. Or it could be a real fiasco. But I'm uh, either way, like I I'm excited to get to next Saturday. I'm excited to get to next Saturday because I want to see what these teams look like. When they, real, yeah, yeah, when they are on it, because we we saw it last year. I I did that. I I worked that trip uh, where they went in. And they you know Kamenev had a had a what two points that night, and they won like seven to one, seven to two, something like that on Dion Phaneuf's like thousandth game. I still have the poster sitting around in my room somewhere. Like it's, I'm excited for next Saturday, man. I think I think we're gonna see a lot more representative uh, of of what those two teams' skill levels really are. But I did tell you on this podcast earlier in the week, I was worried about that game because yep. the Kings, the Kings play hard and where they're big, the big thing that, that lets them down is the skill. And that got neutralized by a lot of bad conditions. And then like credit to the Kings. It wasn't like, you know, one, one, like there was divine intervention that kept the abs from winning that game. King Jonathan quick was awesome. Yeah. Quick played great in the first period. And you know what? Outside of that one insane bounce, Philip Grubauer matched him. And yeah, he was then very he got good. run into by Ian Cole's behind. And now it's you a mystery. For that? I'm a little bit upset. Having watched the play back a number of times, he played the play as a whole extremely poorly. Um, the running into Grubauer ending of it is just a bit unfortunate. But when you put it all together, you look at that and you just go, yeesh. Quite the shift. Yeah, it was it was a rough one. And and at that time, the ice was breaking down. And you're Ian Cole, who had double hip surgery in the offseason, let's remember. And that dude's speed isn't going to be there in a, a situation like that. Yeah, I mean, it, was a tough, it was a tough spot. And I didn't do it on purpose. No, of course not. And it just like... It just feels like every time this team starts to turn a corner, something like this goes on. Right. Something really stupid happens. 
So and know, at the it time was of one thing, Kadri injury. That's one thing. The other team did that to Kadri at least. Well, and like it, it was just a hockey play, you know. Right. Like it was, it was a faceoff. He got tied up, and it, you know that stuff happens. It sucks, but it happens. We're seeing it around the NHL all over the place. Guys are getting hurt left and right. Like guys who are going to make differences in these in these playoff races getting hurt left and right. And but this is just like your teammate just accidentally plows into you and now you're hurt and now Hunter Miska's in the NHL. Yeah, it's it's brutal. Um at the time of recording we do not know how bad the Grubauer, also the Matt Calvert injury is as well. Uh, the Miska situation is extremely strange because he was called up and then Adam Werner started a game for the Eagles. Surprise! Now, there is some stuff. I don't know all the details, but Adam Werner was dealing with a heart issue, which is concerning. But at the same time, if he's healthy enough to start, I guess it's fine. Sure. So, it's just a weird spot. I have no idea how to feel about it. Yeah. <laughs> they brought him back. He practiced the other day. Yep. And they, the Eagles made, like, a thing of it. Like, hey, Werns is back. And it was like, oh, cool, man. Like, good. It's good for him. We were worried that was going to be a long-term thing. And then, sort of like with Bebo, he just happens to be healthy right at the exact moment that they absolutely needed it. Yeah, how convenient. <laughs> yeah. And it so, was like, uh, okay, well, I guess, I guess Adam Warner's, um, Adam Warner's healthy, and Hunter Miska's an av. Yep, I mean, hard to speculate on on what's going on with Grubauer and Calvert too much. By the time this pod is up in the afternoon, I'm sure AJ will have updates from Morning Skate and the like. So. Yeah, probably no more than what we know on this podcast. But on that note, we're going to take our first period break here. And it is, of course, time to recognize Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. They have all sorts of different types of beers you can try and love. And if you want to find them, check out their Breckenridge Beer Locator. You can just type in where you live. They'll tell you what types of beers are available around your area, where you can go and purchase them. Honestly, uh, the Air Force might have needed uh, something like that the other night, but I'm sure we'll get into that in the second period. As far as Breckenridge, they have amazing beers, whether it be the Colorado Core or their IPA, the Hot Peak, Strawberry Sky, AJ's favorite, you name it, as well as rotating local seasonals. Give them a try if you haven't yet. And if you have, try something new because almost all of their beers are good. We will be back in a second. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. There is not a Davidson's down in Colorado Springs. Again, they may have needed one based on some of the things I've heard. If you haven't checked it out yet, AJ wrote a great piece on all the goings-on around the stadium series over the weekend and a lot of the issues they ran into it is free and unlocked. So even if you don't have a membership to DNVR, you can check it out. Highly recommend you do. It's a great piece. AJ, you were there obviously. So you know much better than I do, but with things like the flyover of a giant wall of traffic and the talk of just straight up running out of beer in some cases, 
not a great look for the Air Force on this one, is it? I mean, it's not. The only the only the only people we can for sure not blame are the Avs and the Kings. Yep. They stepped on the ice and played yeah. hockey. They were asked to bring their professional hockey teams down to Colorado Springs and put on a hockey game. Uh, they did that. The rest of that was up to the folks in charge of all the planning, and those folks did not live up to the moment at all. Not even a little bit. Hard to argue. And, you know, let's start with the traffic because this is the issue I think that everyone knows the most about. A lot of the traffic was expected. I don't think there was a big surprise that it was taking two plus hours for people to get into this arena stadium where there are only two entrances in and one of them, the main one that people were using is extremely tight. So saw some of that coming, but even then getting out when it became even more of a disaster where you're talking about people having to walk back into town because Lyft and Uber weren't willing to go drive in and pick people up. I mean, it just spiraled out of control. It did. And it, and you know, some of this was poor planning. Um, some of it, there's nothing that anybody can do about it. They're, it's not like the, the NHL or the Air Force was suddenly going to drop in and there were going to be two more entrances or there were going to be three more lanes or, you know, any of that. 44,000 people were descending upon a very tight, enclosed space. And unfortunately, there was just, there, there was just poor signage everywhere. Like, we saw complaints. You mentioned, hey, the North Gate is where the majority of people were coming from because they were coming from Denver. That's just a reality. Between all the folks from out of town and all the folks that don't live in Colorado Springs, most everybody was coming from the direction of Denver. The majority of people was coming from Denver uh, on I-25 or, you know, or thereabouts. North Gate was where most people went in. North Gate does not tell you that it's a two-lane exit. You don't know that until you are exiting. So an awful lot of people are just hanging out in the right lane when there's a perfectly usable left lane they could have used to make it go a little bit faster. Yep. That combined with the fact that a lot of people didn't know that there was a south gate they could go into. Again, lots of people doing this for the first time. It's just how it goes. Needed to be some sort of a signage. You've got to hold people's hand through this stuff. You just have to. That's just reality. And <clears throat> the idea, if it, it, sending, sending out a bunch of PSAs the week of and saying, hey, you guys need to make sure you allow time for traffic. It's going to take a while. Allow time for this. Allow time for that. You need to tell people. The game starts at 6 o'clock. You need to be leaving, your, you need to be leaving Denver at noon. Right. You can't just say traffic's going to be bad. Right. You have to give actual time frames. Because anybody that's ever driven to Colorado Springs before knows, hey, that's going to suck. But one, it's a Saturday, so it shouldn't be, you know, rush hour shouldn't be playing a huge role into this. That's okay. That's good. But anybody that's done that drive, Denver to Colorado Springs, knows that it's like 45 minutes to an hour-ish, somewhere in there, kind of depending on where you're going. You know, uh, the Academy on the north side of Colorado Springs, so... It's not like you have to get deep into the springs and go through a whole lot. You know, it's 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 on the north side there. So it's not it's not that long. You know, everybody does 
everybody does the same thing. They look at their phone, they put in the address where they're going, it gives them an approximated time, and then they go from there. You know, people were like, hey, okay, they told us to plan early, so we're going to give this four hours of lead time. The idea that it's four hours of lead time is not enough time to get you inside the stadium before puck drop at like 6.30 is insanity. Yeah. I understand. The, the, The folks who got down there and had a great experience and have spent all day running around the internet telling people that they just that they're stupid and that they should have known better and that they should have they should have planned better you know i i get it the guy that leaves at 4:30 can't help that dude nothing you can say to that guy but the people who left at 2 o'clock come on yeah it's just there are limits right the guy who leaves an hour before the game wasn't going to make it anyway. The guy who prepared and left at what should have been a reasonable time and didn't make it because the NHL just said, Hey, there's bad traffic. Leave early. <laughs> That's it's such a big understatement. And the, just the lack of preparation of anything. No, they could have done so many things suggested where to park provided shuttles in, which I know in some cases they kind of did, but, it was a mess on the outside, and to make matters worse, things got even worse on the inside. Bad traffic. All right, let's say they just committed to Air Force knowing there were only two entrances, and they just said, you know what, we'll deal with the traffic being bad. You knew how many tickets you sold to the game, and yet you still run out of things like beer. You don't have proper bathroom equipment set up to handle that many people in the stadium. That's pretty egregious to me. You have 44,000 people. You have a very small number of built-in bathroom facilities. And your response is to, to, to drop in like, what was it, like 35 porta-potties? It wasn't many, yeah. 44,000 people. I, mean, I just, I, I don't understand how that part of it, like, cut away all the traffic, cut away every piece of the traffic and the transportation to and from the stadium, the in-stadium experience. And there were plenty of people who got there early before it was jam-packed and were like, oh, I was in line for 10 minutes and everything went great. I don't know what everybody's upset about. Congratulations on your minority experience. But the majority of people who got there and tried to go and get concessions during the game missed missed portions of the game, large chunks of the game, because they were standing in a concession line, and concession lines are running out of beer, running out of hot dogs. You know, had one guy tell me that he ate frozen nachos. Nice. Super tasty. I mean, come on. Yeah, it's... How do you mess that up? Right. And, you know, this isn't, oh, these guys play, paid five bucks to be in the cheap seats in the Pepsi Center. These are these tickets are very, very expensive. And for many of these people, it's a at minimum a multi hundred dollar trip between between gas getting down to and from potential hotel room, maybe a car rental, multiple tickets. Yeah, you're looking at a several several hundred dollar expenditure for the majority of people that went. And it's it's just disappointing. It's it's disappointing, and it's to be honest, from 
from an organization like the NHL, it's unacceptable. They, this was their 30th outdoor game. Right. It's not what their the first hell? rodeo here. Exactly. What the hell? It's not even their first. It's not even their first one at a service academy. What the hell? Well, and you brought this point up, and I went up and looked into it a little bit more after your article of Air Force's stadium for football. Their average attendance is thirty-two thousand, less than ten thousand people, or more than rather ten thousand people difference between what showed up for this stadium series game. And not only that, but on game days for football, a significant portion of those people are coming from on base. So there were a lot of screaming alarms here that got ignored. Yeah. And I, I don't know what else to say about it other than just be better. Yeah, definitely. And you know, I think the most, maybe the most disappointing part of today because we are recording this on the Sunday. Yeah. The the most di- the, the most disappointing part of this is that the people who had a good experience couldn't have just had a good experience and been like, "Hey, that wasn't my experience at all." They are like angrily going after anybody that says anything bad about it, like, "How dare you talk bad about what I thought was a great night?" You know, it's been it's been disappointing. I mean, we had somebody I wrote the article and I got accused of clickbait nonsense because I'm trying to sell subscriptions. I unlocked it. It's a free article. It has nothing to do with our regular coverage. It has nothing to do with the avalanche. I think I mentioned the avalanche in there twice. And it was really disappointing to me that it turned into like this mudslinging of like, well, people just didn't prepare. Like, like you had to be in some like secret society <laughs> of knowing all the ins and outs of of going to a sporting event at the Air Force Academy, to to understand how to have a good time yesterday. That's insane. And like it, for the people who went and had an amazing experience, that's awesome. I love that. I wish everybody had an easy experience. My experience was easy because I left before noon. I left my house at, I think it was 11.28. I backed out of my garage. I took I took 83. I took a side road because I saw that the traffic was bad on 25. Took 83 all the way down. Ended up getting there. Parked my car because I could park my car in the media lot and all that. Like, parked my car right next to the stadium. Had no issues. Got inside. No problems. Everything went very smoothly for me. In terms of getting in and out of the stadium, I left at midnight. Everybody else was already gone. No big deal. My experience was the minority experience in the extreme. Yeah. My experience was irrelevant to what what the regular folks went through. Yes. Right. If you had a great experience, awesome. I'm happy for you. That's awesome. Like, you've got great memories that you will always have. And because 30,000 people had a bad time doesn't mean that that tarnishes the night that you had. Exactly. So you had a great night. Enjoy that. Why can that not be enough? Why is it that the people who had a bad night have spent all day having to defend the fact that they had a bad night? Well, and I think the reality of the situation is the majority did have a bad night. And in the general eye, 
this stadium series is going to go down. As we said, it's not about the hockey of these things. It's about the events. And it was extremely disappointing on many levels for many people. And that's what it's going to be remembered for. You know, it's not about the hockey because everybody that I know who went to the Coors Field Stadium Series in 2016 remembers it fondly. I remember it fondly. I had a blast. I went with people that I loved. I had a great experience. I enjoyed the game. It sucked how it ended. But it was a great time, and it was a great venue, and it was a great memory, and I had a blast. I loved all the pregame stuff. I enjoyed hanging out, and I enjoyed experiencing it with people whom I wanted to make those memories with. It was awesome. And And unfortunately... Last night did not give a lot of people that repeat experience. Exactly. The first one was a prepared experience. People weren't filing in in the middle of the second period because of traffic. There was plenty of concessions on hand for everyone because Coors Field was prepared. And the Falcon Stadium just wasn't. It just wasn't. Yeah. Well, and Coors Field hosting 50,000 people is something that happens. Right. They do that every summer. Yeah, every time the Cubs come to town. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So (laughs) they were prepared because they always get out of towners, I guess. Um, But yeah, for me, incredibly disappointing to hear how poorly put together it all was. And I don't I don't know. I I said before, I, I was never a big fan of the whole outdoor thing, but I think this turned a lot of people off of it. It just it just sucks that people had a bad time. Yep. Like the game being what the game is is whatever. But it sucks that people that that we had so many people that came from out of town, you know. We got to we got to meet a great dude from Germany who flew all the way over here uh just for this. You know, obviously all the Eurolanch guys are are at the game, went went to the game. It sucks that this was just not a killer event that everybody went ham for right and i love dnvr i love the meetup that we had on friday night but the fact that that's going to be the best part of the trip for a few of those people sucks it definitely does man it's a bummer because it should have been it should have been an all-time great memory and like for a for an outdoor game the actual sight lines watching the game i had i mean i was obviously up in the press box so i was sitting on the moon but, like, I didn't have any major problems with it. I liked it way more than Coors Field in that respect. But, and, like, the venue itself, like, I, I didn't have any issues when the game was going on. It was all the infrastructure about an in-game entertainment. because The concert was fine. I thought the musician was a little out of tune. But I don't know anything about him. So, you know, and I don't have an ear for these things. It just sounded a little off to me. But... That was cool. The flyovers were cool. The fireworks were cool. Like, uh, there was so much that went right. And then it just gets completely betrayed by the things that were just not good. And, And what's so disappointing is that it was avoidable. It was absolutely avoidable. Right. There were everyone that knew the area, knew the situation, was like, hey, this traffic is going to be a major problem. And they tried to get the word out, but it is what it is. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, I don't I don't even know what to say about the in-arena situation. Come prepared. Uh, 
yeah, we'll we'll end this rant period here because it's just not going to get better if we keep talking about it at this point. So it's time to tell you about Green Mountain Dental Group instead. For some people, that game probably felt like they were getting dental work, but Green Mountain Dental Group will take better care of you than that. All you have to do is schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam, and you'll get a free electric Sonicare toothbrush from Green Mountain Dental Group. They're awesome. They're very good at what they do. have been doing it a long time, partnered here with us at DNVR, and they're just 15 minutes from downtown, so a nice convenient location. They just want you to take care of your teeth and will give you a free Sonicare to do it. So give them a call or check them out online today. Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's with Rudo and AJ. If you're trying to put that stadium series game behind you, well, Tuesday or Tuesday, Sunday afternoon did a good job of it as out of nowhere, rumors start spreading like wildfire that first Blake Coleman is on the trading block and then that he's going to the Avs. Now, of course, he did not end up getting traded to the Avs, but there was a minute there where pretty much everyone thought he was going to go. Certainly a very interesting situation. I don't know how involved the Avs actually were, but you have to think there's something there. They were definitely involved in the conversation. So there was something to it. Obviously, he ended up going to Tampa Bay for what ended up being a first round pick and Nolan Foot, which would explain why the Avs might not have pulled the trigger on that one, eh? Where where do you see that as equivalent? Because I had a lot of people ask me, okay, so if the Abs did that deal, is that Connor Timmins? Is that Shane Bowers? Is that Martin Kaut? Like It's I mean it's it's a little tough. A first in Timmins is probably as close as you get, but Timmins is obviously very much more NHL ready. Yeah, and- yeah. So it's like a first in Timmins is probably more valuable than a first and Nolan Foot, in my opinion. But the Avs don't really have a piece like Foot, which is a late first that isn't quite ready yet. So I mean, closest would be like Shane Bowers if he was still at college, right? And Shane Bowers last year, yeah, would be would be very close. Yeah, that's fair. So, yeah. and for a guy who. I know you really like Coleman. He's a solid NHL player, but this Mm -hmm. is a guy who does not have a 40 point season under his belt. He's 28. He, he is on a very, very nice contract. He has another year left at 1.8 million. So that's nice. That makes a lot of sense for Tampa Bay, but for the Avs, especially at a price like that, when we've heard talks about them where they don't want to give up a first round pick for someone like Kreider, even, it just didn't make a ton of sense to me. Yeah. And like Coleman's got, a, he's got versatility. You can, you can put him in any of the four positions and expect to get something out of them. Four positions. So, sorry. Forward positions. This guy's playing defense even out here. <laughs> I tell you, I mean, he's a really good defensive forward. So that's true. It's, you know, he'll, he'll play better defense than some teams defensemen. Um, but anyway, point being, versatile guy uh, who's really come on in the last couple of years, uh, really has just sort of come out of nowhere. You know, he had a 
very slow track through the USHL and then into into college hockey and then you know never never really showed up as like a big prospect like not really like a guy to keep an eye on his biggest year in the AHL even was a 39 point season so not totally eye popping numbers or anything Although nothing that would have suggested that this would have been a guy that was going to score 20 goals in back-to-back seasons. Right. As he has done. But, you know, he's got 21 goals and 10 assists this year. So it's like, this is not like a dynamic offensive player. He is a guy that does drive play quite a bit in terms of driving shots. Uh, He's a very good skater. Uh, As I said, a very good two-way player. Uh, Very aggressive. Would have been a great fit in Colorado. He really would have been, uh, and at one signed for one point eight million over this year and through the end of next. Uh, that's you know, cool man. He was born the same place I was. Interesting. Shout out born, Plano, Texas. I was gonna say I didn't know you were born in Plano. Yeah, I, my parents lived there when I was born, but we moved here when I was like one year old, so barely counts. So we don't even have that Texas thing in common for realsies. I see. All right. Well, <laughs> whatever. I'll let it go. Uh, but no, with Coleman, like really like a player who's like right in the heart of his prime and would have been a good fit in Colorado. Not at that price. Absolutely not. Right. I, exactly the same. And and you're looking at it as you're, you're assuming if the abs are making this deal, something on the NHL roster is going back to New Jersey here because they just don't have room for another guy like that. Otherwise, well, when Lavoie first put it out there, my initial thought was, okay, Cam and have a prospect and like maybe like a 2021 second rounder. Yeah, sure. And I was, and I was thinking prospect. I'm thinking like Ranta Kovalenko. Yeah. Later round or at least mid round pick or something. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like a good prospect and a young NHL player that can help them. And a pick that could escalate given accomplishments, you know, conditional pick. That sure. that's where I that's where my mind went for Colorado. It did not go to top forward prospect and a first round pick. Right. I mean it did not go there. Nope. <laughs> either of those things you're going, wow, that's expensive. And then both of them is like, nah, too rich. Right. Like it had just been a first round pick. I would have been like, ooh. Yep. Like, dang. I, I can see where that's coming from. It makes a lot of sense for a team like Tampa Bay, but oof, that's that's rich. Had it just been Nolan Foot, oof, that's rich. But they got both, both. Like New Jersey did really well for themselves. You know, they they turn a guy who was not, you know, but let's say two years ago, he's kind of where. Boy, there isn't like really even an equivalent, like maybe where JT Comper is. On the Avs, yeah, I mean, I described him earlier today as a rich man's JT Comper, basically. Yeah, and not totally incorrect at all there. Significantly better on the defensive side, for the most part. Absolutely. I was yawning uh, and nodding in response to you saying significantly better defensively. I, I 
it occurred to me that my nodding was not translating through <laughs> yeah i can't imagine audio. well like someone needs to set up some secret cameras and see like how animated we are on these pods <laughs> yeah right because but, I try to respond to you with my face, and then it occurs to me that that's inadequate given our current setup. So it it happens. I mean, we catch <laughs> each other mid cough, mid yawn, all the time. So we we soldier through though. And mm-hmm. Blake Coleman is not the answer for the abs at the moment. So before we uh, before we came up onto the onto the show, I told you that hey. Colorado doing something like this three or four years from now, if they still haven't won a cup, the roster has gotten much more expensive. They're in a cap crunch. They have to find cost-effective NHL players that they know can play and don't necessarily have time to wait four years for Nolan Foote to figure it out or, you know, that first-round pick, whatever. Like, I totally get it. I totally get it from Tampa Bay's point of view. They are getting just, a you know, every year. They get one year older and that's, you know, you start to, you start to look at their core of that team. And like, you remember just a couple years ago, they were the darling that everybody wanted to be Tampa Bay. But now all of a sudden you're looking like Steven Stamkos 30 years old. Not only are they not getting younger, they're not getting any cheaper as well. Right. And fighting that cap crunch doesn't get easier. You have to sell off quality pieces. And getting someone like a Coleman who's on a cheaper deal that can provide a quality NHL or alleviates that for them. Yeah, they have seven forwards who are signed for more than $4 million and multiple years. That's crazy. And the youngest of those is Braden Point at 23 years old. The next youngest at uh, after that is... Uh, Andre Palat and Yanni Gord um, at 28. Oh, I guess Nikita Kucherov is 26. I forget he exists because he's super he's a freak. Yeah. <laughs> but like point being like these guys are all starting to be at the end of that prime window. Yep. Where yeah. if they age well into their 30s, this group could continue to, to, to be cup contenders for the next three to five years. If they start to fall off hard at 30, they could be in trouble. Like they could be spending a ton of money on guys that are just not good anymore. And they're in a spot. Like you look at because they're spending so much money up front uh, on their forward core, they have a $14 million defense and half of that goes to Victor Hedman. Not just that four of those six defensemen are not signed next season. And one of those is Sergachev. Yeah. And I mean, Cameron Gauntz has played a game for those guys. Yep. So, you know, they're hanging on by a thread around around the fringes of that team. They're going to have to sign Sorelli next year or move him. It They have a lot of crunching to do. And, and picking up someone like Coleman on the cheap helps them manage their forward depth a little bit. Because they won't have to sign a Nieto for $3 million in the offseason. Yeah. And like, so the Coleman deal for them makes a lot of sense because Foot's ELC would have been great, but like, Foot would not be the effective NHL player that Coleman is now. Not next year, certainly. Yeah. And that, and even waiting till next year, that means that, that this year's cup run. Right. They're pushing for the all in. Sure. Exactly. So, 
Makes a lot of sense from where Tampa Bay is. He's a good player. He would have been a really good fit in Colorado. But that price, and this is where this is where Colorado has to be smart. They don't need to go all in. Right. They Let don't. teams like Tampa get held hostage. Exactly. They don't need to go all in. They don't need to overpay. They're in a perfect spot to pick and choose the appropriate price. There are a lot of players that they can go out there and try and get from a lot of different teams. They do not have to be backed into a corner on any of these deals. Not yet, they, anyway. Right. Not this year. It, there's no need to go pay exorbitant prices right now. So it, it is what it is. I'm definitely more of a fan of the abs looking towards a bigger deal. I think nibbling around the edges just doesn't do much for the abs this season. But if they want a 18 firsts for a guy who's going to play on your second line, you know, you just, there's no need for it. Yeah. Agreed. I mean, it's just pick your spots, man. It's like, it's like going shopping. So it's like, it's like somebody gives you a thousand dollars and you're determined to go and spend that thousand dollars the week before black Friday. Right. Like, you know wait, the deals are coming. <laughs> wait for the deal that makes the most sense for you. You know it's on its way. Just wait. You don't need to have it today. We've got one week. Yeah. When you guys are listening to this, it will be one week until trade deadline day on the 24th. Yep. So just be cool, baby. Be cool. Be cool and don't overpay for crazy stuff. It's a wise words to live by, I suppose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's been kind of a crazy weekend for the Avs. At the end of the day, they survive it. They are still one of the top three teams in the Central and right there pushing to be the top team in the Central. We'll see what happens against Tampa, what happens against New York. Some good games coming up that may well set up the rest of this season. AJ, final thoughts here? Um, You know, one thing we didn't touch on with the stadium series, um, the the person uh, who did die that night. Yeah. Awful. It's really, it's awful. And I don't want to, I don't, I, I just don't want to get, a, I don't want to get accused of us, like not acknowledging it or not sure. wanting to talk about it or whatever. Um, we just don't know anything about it. It happened. Um, I drove by it last night. It was pretty. It was, it was a pretty distressing scene. Um, it's really, it's awful. And yeah. you know, all love to to that individual's family. And I, I'm sorry that a hockey game turned into that for them. Yeah, definitely. Just all all love and prayers for sure. I mean, definitely. Nothing you can really say at that point other than that is terrible. Yep. So, yeah, I guess that's going to wrap it up for this show. I'm just going to leave it there. Uh, yep. I'm not going to put any ads after that. So thank you for listening, as always, and, and we will be back tomorrow. <laughs>